This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on foul-mouthed sports fans. Woo! Not wanting your ex's new girlfriend at the party. Addressing a transgendered acquaintance. And splitting the bill after the fact. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, we talk about sending thank you for attending notes after the wedding. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on hats and sunglasses indoors. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey! How's it going, cuz? <laughs> We're going to leave how it's really going at the door, but we're going to be positive and awesome on today's show. Yes. 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 No, things things are they are going well, just really busy. You and I are working our little tails off right now. What a summer. I was looking at my calendar a couple weeks ago, sort yeah. of mentally preparing myself for this. three months of <laughs> both new baby and yeah. work travel on a pretty – sort of rhythmic every other week say, pattern right through end of August. Yeah. And then and then September we do our train the trainers. So you and I end up spending most of the month prepping for that for the in person train the trainers. So it's a it is No, there is sort of this October exhale moment and it's a little crazy to even say that. I'm having trouble even getting golf in. By the way, I know how lame that probably sounds to most of you, but it is like my one single gal like source of relaxation and break from Your work sanity pretty maker. much. It's my sanity maker. It's also a huge meditation space for me. It's pretty much my only social engagement. And so other than going to a few concerts throughout the year, golf is really the place where I literally get away from work and get away from my home. And so it's there. And <laughs> I'm, I'm grabbing hold today and I'm going golfing this afternoon. I want you to do it because I live vicariously through you when you're golfing. It's what I wish I could do with my summer. So it's fun to watch you do it. I live vicariously through you and your home life. So it's fun to watch you do that. <laughs> and what a treat two little babies are. Although Anisha's definitely not a baby. She's such no, a she's talking, a, she's a toddling kid. little kid. She's like a kid now. I don't even think of her as a toddler anymore. Like, I was driving home she's yesterday. She's small, but she's not a toddler. No, and she's rapidly becoming my best friend. Yeah. I certainly spend more time with her than almost anyone else. And I, I don't say that to minimize my friendship friends. with my incredible wife or yeah. other friends, but I spend so much time with Anisha Senning that... We have this thing that's starting to happen. We're, we're vibing they, they each other. They call that a bond, my dear. <laughs> they call that a bond. <laughs> no, that's that's wonderful. It's um, it's it is a busy summer. That is to be sh- for sure. It is, and something new has popped up on our radar. What? The National Stationery Show. Yes, we are going to it this year and actually going to really be a part of the show. We are really excited because we are going to do a live version of the Awesome Etiquette podcast at the National Stationery slash New York Now show this year. So those of you in the New York area, this is mostly a B2B business-to-business event. But if you are a stationer or a gift shop headed to that show this summer, we will be there and you can get your Awesome Etiquette on with us. And we really want to focus the live show that we're doing there 
on those topics. We are so excited to dive deeper into them and to bring this show to a larger audience and a live audience and in-person audience. Who knows? Maybe it'll kickstart some live shows around the rest of the country at other events. You never know where you might find awesome etiquette popping up. Suffice it to say, we are really excited to be a part of this. We are really honored that the National Stationery Show and New York Now wanted to include us. There is going to be an entire CBD section of the show where higher etiquette is going to get featured and we're going to talk about cannabis gifting. So that's exciting to me. We have... um, We will also be having uh, two book signings while we are at the show, and that we are also really excited for because Dan and I actually rarely get to do book signings unless there's a big launch going on. So getting to participate in one, especially for the 19th edition and the Business Etiquette book and the Wedding Etiquette 6th edition book is really exciting. It is, and just because we've started to dip our toe into the higher etiquette territory, I have to congratulate you. And it's a bit of a shifting of gears, but you got a very good review in the New York Times this week. And your cousin was so excited for you (laughs) and proud of you. It is not easy to write an etiquette book that gets well-reviewed by the New York Times. They are famously tough with their reviews. And we have an approach to etiquette that is some people think overly optimistic or pie in the sky, the things that we think are so important that optimism, that enthusiasm for basic kindness and civility is sometimes an easy mark. And if you don't strike just the right tone, it can be really easy to dismiss it. And to me, that review was a real affirmation of you and your writing and the tone that you struck in that book. Thank Congratulations. You. I really appreciate it. It is it is funny. Much like that article that Peter and I read a couple episodes ago, you can't control what people write about you necessarily. And people do love to put etiquette in that zippity doo dah sing songy kind of place. And one of the things that I really love about this book, Higher Etiquette, is that it, it really is a down-to-earth introduction to that world of cannabis and of inter interacting in a society where it's legalized. And I like the idea that etiquette can be truly informational in a lot of ways. It doesn't have to be tie a bow on something and make it pretty. And I was that's one of the things I was really proud about this book for. So I'm, I'm really glad to see it getting some recognition out there. And I want to thank the New York Times for taking the time to cover it. It was a complete surprise to me. I had no idea they were doing it. So I started getting messages yesterday and a lot more today. And it's been it's been very fun and very exciting. So check it out if you're interested. Again, congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I think we could bring some of that optimism to some listener questions. I think we definitely could. Let's get started. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day... We here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to StoryWorth, 
storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining member in your message. We'll answer your questions on the sustaining member site where you can access an ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Our first question today is about foul-mouthed sports fans. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I discovered your podcast recently and have been binging my way through the episodes. I am a well-meaning but socially awkward person, and your show has helped me tremendously to navigate social situations. I feel like I've found the missing ingredient in my social interactions, so thank you very much for all that you do. I have a question regarding something my coworkers and I discussed this morning. My office mate and his wife went to a restaurant that broadcasts sports games in order to watch the England-USA World Cup game last night. He told us this morning that a table near them had caused a bit of an issue. The table nearby had a group of teenagers that were quite vulgar while watching the match. My office mate and his wife were uncomfortable, and luckily they were able to change tables, but this sparked a discussion in the office today. When in this situation, what should one do? Should you approach the offending table, speak to management? Is the management responsible for policing the speech of their guests, or was this table simply exercising their right to free speech? I think my coworker did the right thing by simply moving tables, but what if that's not an option? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Please feel free to put this on the show. Best, Jessica. Jessica, this is a great question, and thank you for bringing it up because it's it's got a, a number of interesting factors here, right? We're in a public space. There's vulgar language being used. My guess is that there's an age disparity going on here, that there's a difference in age between the two groups. And whether that's immediately apparent or not, we don't quite know. But it's it's an interesting one. We've got all kinds of stuff going on no matter what we start with the the always our top top advice when you're in a public space and someone else is uh, bothering you or or being bothersome is that you go to a source of management to deal with it as opposed to confronting it yourself that being said, we've all sat there in this moment and not really wanted to just immediately run to a manager to go get the problem dealt with. So, Dan, what are some of the other tactics that we draw on first? Do you give them a side-eye glance that says, cut it out, I'm finding you really annoying over here? Do you Glaring. shake your head, tisk-tisking? Do you start a conversation with someone at your table loud enough that the people can overhear you talking about them? No, these are all bad (laughs) ideas. They're all bad versions of, I think, a good impulse that comes from a good place. There is an awareness that many of us have. Many of the listeners to this show have heard us say that the vast majority of rude behavior is often unintentional. Mm -hmm. It's people not being fully aware of how what they're doing is negatively impacting someone else or is being seen. And oftentimes there is a real kindness that can be present in letting someone know about their rude behavior. And it's sort of a counterintuitive thought that you might be tipping someone off to their own bad behavior as a kindness. And if you can approach it like that, I think it can help keep that tisk-tisking tone or that I'm making a judgment on you quality out of what is a pretty natural interaction, which is a Hey, what you're doing's not cool with me over here. And there are ways to communicate that that are effective and can actually work, can be corrective in a situation, can give someone else an opportunity to address something and make it better themselves without being approached by management or being embarrassed in a way that's sort of more structural. It's a question of dosage and it's not easy and it's gray area and it's why we 
give the baseline advice of you look for someone who has the authority or standing to address the situation because they have real authority, authority and standing. And standing exactly. They can say, if you don't fix it, we're going to ask you to leave yeah. or you're disturbing other tables. We'd like you to, to please watch the language or tone it down or keep it quieter. And your relationship as someone making that ask of the establishment is also clear in that they can choose to address it or not, and then you have choices as a customer, as a patron, about whether or not you stay, whether you ever come back, how you talk about that business in the future. So those relationships are ordered in a way that keeps you out of that gray area of a directing, of addressing, excuse me, the teen, the the other table directly, of confronting that behavior in some way, which is ultimately what you're doing, even if it is just a look or a glance or a shake of the head. I think also one of the things that comes into play here is the the at least perceived age difference between the tables. And that's something that was brought up. And whether they're teenagers or whether they're young college students who are often in their late teens, it is just important. It's important to recognize a couple things about this age group. One, as you will hear Cindy Post-Senning talk about in our Children's Etiquette Train the Trainer seminars, that teens are out there trying to express themselves, trying to absorb new language, and that language often can be vulgar. And when they're in public places on their own, they're flexing those muscles and trying to not sometimes literally, but often uh, figuratively in in discovering the boundaries of who are they when there isn't an adult around policing them. And it's what I think you want to strike the balance between is not coming across like a reprimanding adult who just because you have some years on this group of people has the authority to then tell them how to behave. But instead, as another participating member of society saying, hey, you There's know, some accountability over yeah, here. And your, your behavior is making us a little uncomfortable. And I think there there are ways to do that. I think it does often start with those glances, a little bit of just kind of like the, whoa, I took notice at that word or wow, or trying to catch one of their eyes and maybe giving them the tone it down sign language, you know, which is not your third finger on your hand, but instead, you know, a, a flat hand moving in a downward motion. And even that starts to be, you know, without the actual words, without the actual tone, something that could be misconstrued. But a lot of times, especially when you have kids around, that glance becomes re- it, like the connector goes off really quickly. I could picture Dan sitting at a table with his best friend, Anisha, and uh, daughter, Anisha, and, you know, hearing a lot of F-bombs being dropped and kind of giving a glance like, come on, and, and nodding at his daughter and someone picking up on that and being like, oh, OK. I could also see you getting the eye roll for that, you know, like, oh, geez, I've got to police myself. You know, you don't know what the reaction of the other person is going to do when you speak up. It's one of the reasons why we say go to a manager for, you know, just because that authority is there and you can't control the behavior of other people. But I I do think you could speak up and say something if you really wanted to. And you, you might try language like, Hey guys, we're all here to enjoy the game. Would love to be in non-explicit language territory or would love to keep the language friendly if it's possible. Um, And I think what you want to do is recognize that that other person has a choice in the matter, that it's it's a request that you are quite literally making of a complete stranger. I really like that perspective, this idea that you're, you're making an ask. You're not telling someone what to do. You're not projecting your disapproval, you're taking some responsibility for your presence in the space and you're saying, I'm here too. Could I ask this of you? And I think having that frame of reference is going to help keep the tone of your voice in a good place. It's even going to keep the 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 twinkle in your eye, which is oftentimes as important. You were talking about the look and the, the sign language gesture. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's so pre-verbal. Yeah. It's, it's about that slight smile that's playing on your face when you're like, hey, just letting you know over here versus the I'm so upset with you. Keep it down over there. And 
those different tones can be expressed just with the wrinkling around your eyes and the smile on your face. We know that it is not the easiest thing to do. It's not easy when you're really frustrated with how someone else is impacting your your date night, your evening out, your one moment of reprieve from the world around you. Your enjoyment of the game. Your enjoyment of the game. But the more that we can all think in this way, I think the better off we'll be. Jessica, thank you so much for this question. It was really, really fun. Also super fun to see the USA women's team win the World Cup. That's just awesome. Gotta say it. Gotta say it. Go USA. (laughs) Go USA. Please let us know what your coworkers think of our answer. In almost every group you find him, the troublemaker, who hurts himself and the others around him. What makes a person like Mel act the way he does? Is the group ever at fault? How would you cope with someone like Mel in your group? Could you help him? What do you think? This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Our next question is about your ex's new girlfriend at your daughter's party. I'm having a reception for my daughter in our home when she returns from her study abroad trip. I'm inviting family and some of her close friends. I would like to include her dad, my ex, as we have remained friends. My quandary is how do I politely ask him not to bring his girlfriend? She is loud, snarky, judgmental, and snooty toward me. Most of the family doesn't care for her company, and quite frankly, I don't want her dark cloud in my home putting a damper on a joyful occasion. Your advice is appreciated. Best regards, Tammy. Tammy, thanks for your question. I also appreciate this is a sticky situation. This is a tough one. And you know that the joyful person in me always wants to just put put the case out there to let someone surprise you. And that at a happy occasion, someone might not be the little rain cloud that you think they might. Just just throwing it out. It might happen. I mean, that's like super warm fuzzy, I know. I, I like the joyful perspective. But there is an etiquette standard here. Though. There is an etiquette standard. And leaning on etiquette standards can be helpful when you're faced with tricky situations and tough decisions. And the baseline that you want to be aware of is that when you're making invitations, you're inviting spouses and long-term partners and significant others. You have to accept that as a host. That's part of the deal. And any deviation from that is going to be a breach of that etiquette. It's going to be a, a deviation from an understood norm or standard. If you really don't want this new girlfriend there, the easiest answer is not to invite the ex. And that sounds harsh, but it's it's the simplest way. It's the clearest way. And it's the the choice that gives you the most control as a host over the situation. And you can always make time for your daughter to be with her father to celebrate on their own. I was going to say, this happens all the time that, you know, oftentimes kids celebrate with one parent and then another, depending on, obviously, we don't know the age of the daughter at this stage, whether this was a high school abroad and therefore, you know, they might have different altering weeks that she's staying with them or whether this is college abroad and daughter really has to make the effort to make time to spend with her dad. But it is absolutely Absolutely, absolutely an option. And I think just from a straight etiquette standard, we've we've answered the question. But you do mention that you're friendly with your ex. And I wonder if this doesn't give you an opening to talk with your ex about some of the behavior that his new girlfriend has been bringing to family occasions or to your interactions. And that might be a place where you could start to open the dialogue about that. I think you've got to tread really carefully and have to be very respectful of the fact that this is your ex's choice to be with this person and that clearly he is seeing value in this relationship. 
and it's going to be a relationship your daughter will need to navigate. And so you want to be really respectful of all of these things when you go to have that conversation. You might even lay all that out before you have it and say, listen, I recognize that this is your choice. This is someone that fulfills you. This is someone who's going to have a great relationship with my daughter, the our daughter. The only issue I have is that I've got this, this, and this going on, and it makes me uncomfortable. And so I both want to celebrate and have you and new girlfriend there. But at the same time, I, I really want to feel my best self when celebrating our daughter. And I want the focus of this occasion to be on the guest of honor, our daughter, her return home. I think your awareness, Lizzie, of the relationship that you, the daughter has with the father and the new girlfriend being an important part of this equation, that it's important to keep that in mind, both in how you approach it and talk to the ex, but also to your daughter about why the father might or might not be there. And the advantage to this kind of a discussion is that you get to include him. And you've mentioned that that's important to you and that's important to your daughter. So even though it's potentially difficult, there are some rewards to approaching it and and to giving it a try. The outcome may or may not be one that you can control as much and might not be one that is one that you're as excited about. So, Tammy, to wrap it up, you can either choose not to invite either of them or you could choose to speak with your ex about your concerns and see if they might be able to be mitigated. And that's it's going to be a dicier chance of whether or not that's going to go well or not well. You could also invite both of them and just understand that that you know what she might be like let her surprise you if she ends up being lovely during the event or at least you've prepared for the snark and the judgment and you just use all your best etiquette hosting skills to let it all roll off your back and just show yourself as a shining example of kindness and consideration and hospitality tammy best of luck congratulations on your daughter returning home We call this way of settling a dispute a compromise. Often, as we play or work together, we have to compromise to settle some of our disputes. But did you know that there are different kinds of disputes and different ways to settle them? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This next question is about etiquette regarding transgender acquaintances. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I've been a loyal podcast listener for years now and love the ritual of listening and thinking about the ways we can treat each other well each week. I've got a bit of a conundrum here, and I'd love some help and sample language. A young person of my acquaintance has recently come out as trans. However, I know this information from the young person's mother rather than firsthand. When next I see them, what is the proper way to greet them and address this, if at all? I know I certainly don't want to use improper names and pronouns, and I feel pretty comfortable with that. But do I mention it at all to the young person, or merely refer to them by their new name and move on? It feels odd not to say something about such a big change in someone's life, but I also don't want to embarrass them or call attention to something they don't want attention called towards. Thoughts? Best, cis person doing their best. Cis person doing their best. Thank you for writing in with this question. There there were two ways I was imagining this in my head. One was that this is someone that you've already known in presenting the way that they have been presenting to you and that you find out from a relative that that presentation was was a different at a different point in their lives, in which case you just continue right on exactly as you have been with the person that you have known using whatever pronouns and names and identities that they have given you. Or that this is a transition that has happened uh, since you have last seen this person. And therefore, you will be meeting them in their true identity. And that I can understand why you might want to make mention of the past identity, but you don't. For all that we have learned, you simply 
will likely be introduced to them. Go with whatever it is that they introduce themselves as. Use whatever pronouns they are using. These are the ways that we respect someone who is standing right in front of us. I think you don't want to start asking a lot of questions about where、um, the previous version of themselves is, or what happened to them, or to say goodbye to that previous version.、Um, I think that you just simply accept the person who is in front of you. Absolutely, you take your direction from them, and sometimes that direction might come in person in the moment. If it's a first meeting, someone's going to introduce themselves. They're going to tell you their name. They're going to use certain pronouns when they talk about themselves or when people talk about them. And you're going to listen to those things, and you're going to take those as your cues. Sometimes that introduction happens by way of a close friend or family member. So if it's This person's mother, who's told you what their new name is, in some ways that is an introduction that's happened, and I think you can go ahead and use that new name. That's one of the ways that people get the word out, so they're not having this discussion every time they see someone they've known previously. And keeping your ears open, keeping your antenna out for those feelers, that direction from both the person and the people that are close to them that you know in common. Is how you figure out the right thing to do. It sounds like you're doing all of that. You may hear them reference their past self or reference the change that they have made to their true identity, and it's okay to congratulate someone on being brave and on embracing their entire self and being true to who they are. Those are always things to do. I don't think you necessarily want to run the route of, oh, I'll miss your old, I'll miss the old version of you so much. I don't think that's what you want to get to. I think you really want to just support someone in being who they are and living their truest, fullest self. You can always acknowledge someone's willingness to talk with you about it. You can thank them for being open and sharing with you. Oftentimes, when ever anyone or someone is centered in a situation, or I'll use another term, privileged, one of the best things that you can do is to listen and watch and pay attention to what's happening on the margins or in more marginalized communities and. Your willingness to share space, your willingness to hear what's going on and to see what's going on, can be one of the real gifts. One of the things that you can offer in a situation. I think this is one of those opportunities in life. Cis person doing your best. We can tell you're doing your best. Keep up the good work. Good manners are comfortable and natural and easy for him now because they're with him all day. All day? Well, let's see. This question is titled "Splitting the Bill After the Fact." Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Thanks so much for an informative podcast. It's always interesting and helpful to hear your responses to etiquette quandaries. I have one of my own that I would love to hear your opinion on. Last night, I went to a very fun gathering to celebrate a friend's career success. We had a large outdoor table at a restaurant, and over the course of the evening, many friends came and went. It was clear that everyone intended to pay for their food and drinks separately, but with so much coming and going, it was a little difficult to split the bill. Most people said something along the lines of, "I'll settle the tab later on with whoever pays." When they left. At the end of the night, I was there with the celebrant and one other friend. The waitress gave us each a bill for the food and drink that we ordered, but there was still quite a large tab from the other attendees. Not wanting my friend to be stuck with the bill on her big day, I paid the whole amount. The bill was not itemized. I expected to hear from those who had not paid, but so far, not a single message. It seems like the polite thing to do would be simply to eat this cost. However, I'm a graduate student, and this is quite a lot of money for me. Would it be rude for me to reach out to people who I think contributed to the unpaid tab? If I do reach out, how could I do so as graciously as possible? It seems very rude to just send a Venmo invoice, and even if I wanted to, I don't know exactly what each person. And ordered, and thus how much they owe. Would it be better to send a text message asking if they could estimate what their orders cost and send roughly that amount to me? Is there any way to do this that doesn't sound like I am demanding money? The whole thing feels very awkward. Any advice would be welcome. Thanks. Please attend to your money and expenses. Oh my gosh, this is like my nightmare scenario. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Although、okay. I don't want to start with Ugh, and this is a nightmare because. 
this starts from a place of just really good etiquette and not the running off on the bill, but the picking up the bill so the guest of honor isn't stuck paying for a bunch of meals after okay. people skipped out on the okay, party. Okay, now I'm with you. I was like, wait, what do you mean this is good etiquette? I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, this is my personal nightmare. Like, And there is some, uh, can you believe people here in oh this situation? But there's also some of the best of people. But can I, before we get into the answer, I just have to say, I really believe that services like Venmo have created this kind of attitude, this laissez fair oh we'll take care of it later well who who do you think is gonna reach out and get in touch with you about this have you accounted for how much you've spent like what do you no people no it's not just a in in it i'll get you back you don't you need to figure out this when you're leaving so just anyone who's in a big group and needs to leave early make yourself accountable please attend to your money and expenses yes <laughs> As far as the etiquette of the situation, I think that I want to start off with some uh, corrective action that can happen beforehand. Who's hosting this event? Whose name is on the tab? Why is it even unclear who's going to be paying at the end? Were people invited? Were they invited to a shared cost event? Are, Are they showing up feeling like this was a hosted party? And I think that you could do some work in the future on the front end. To avoid being left in this situation later on, this having been the situation that you're now confronted with, I think that you're in perfectly fine shape reaching out to people. I think that particularly the people who've said, oh, catch up with me later, I'll cover the cost of my meal, have given you permission to reach out to them. And, and hopefully you know them and have their phone numbers. <laughs> or, or some number of them. And I even think it's okay to reach out to the ones that you know and can identify because it's going to start to mitigate some of your expenses. And you so. might not be able to catch up with everybody. There might be some sunken cost here that you're not going to be able to recoup. But I don't think that should prevent you from reaching out to the three people who you do remember mentioned something to you and you tell them all the things that you've told us. At the end of the night, I grabbed the tab so so so-and-so wouldn't be left with it. It wasn't itemized. I'm looking for all the help I can get. If you remember what you got that night and you could estimate it, I'd really appreciate it. So that makes me think of two things. Number one is that always ask for an itemized receipt if you find yourself in this type of situation. Usually bars and restaurants can provide that to you. But my second thought is that if you can remember, I think really puts people in that zone of often not being able to remember and being unsure. And I think you might want to say something like, there were roughly 15 of us here throughout the night. The total bill was this. On average, I'm looking at about 20 bucks a person. Let me know if you think you were above or below that. However, I'm hoping to get about that from folks. Because I think you are in this place where it would be really easy for a lot of people to just respond with, well, I have no idea what I had. And that's that's difficult. We want to recognize that that's the truth of the situation right up front and then try to give them a number to aim for that sounds somewhat reasonable. Yeah. Sharing that total is one and, and the number of people that were there. That's a way to start to get sort of baseline number in people's minds. I was also thinking about that itemized receipt. Sometimes you can still get it. You might call the restaurant and ask for one that having that to share is another way you can open up that discussion in a way that says, Boy, I don't know which one of these was you, but it might jog your memory. Here's the itemized receipt. I'm happy to share it. I can't parse it out and Venmo everyone because I just don't know. You are in good shape making this ask. This is not bad etiquette. This is good etiquette. I'm sorry that it's been left on your plate because it's sort of an annoying task. But I even appreciate the instinct in your question to just let it all go. I would be trying to avoid that annoyance so much that I would probably just take the hit so I didn't have to deal with it. But if you can't financially, I mean, then you really are in a pickle and you do want to reach out, as you said, first to the people that you know were there. Second, ask them if they know some of the other people there and to spread the word. Third resort, you could ask the host if there was anybody. And then finally, I just want to remind you that not everybody has or uses Venmo. So when you do reach out to folks, offer some other other payment methods, whether that's cash, whether that's a check, you know, just say happy, you know, happy for you to pay me back using Venmo, PayPal, cash or check. Let me know what works best for you and I'll let you know the best way to get it to me. And that's the quick, easy exchange that gives people options, but also still puts the focus is back on getting that cash back to you. 
Please attend to your money and expenses. We hope this helps you attend to your money and expenses. That's more than Jack expected. He'd better write down a list of expenses to watch. Too many movies, too much candy. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On social media, we are at Emily Post Institute on Instagram, Awesome Etiquette on Facebook, and at Emily Post Inst on Twitter. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today's comes from M and is about vacation when accepting a new job, which we covered a couple weeks ago. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. I have loved listening to your podcast from the start and have even had one of my own questions aired a while back, a shrimpy situation. Ah. I was so excited to hear it and have it answered. Thank you. I also love listening about each of your lives. It's been especially fun since Dan got married a few months after I did and had Anisha a few months after I had my first daughter. Congratulations and congratulations. It is so fun to relive those moments through others' happiness and excitement. I had my second daughter last fall and a third congratulations, and was honestly wondering if Dan and Pooja would be having more children. I was pleasantly surprised when the very next podcast you had announced the upcoming birth. Congratulations, and welcome to the world of two children! Exclamation point. <laughs> I have a little feedback on your question about asking for vacation when accepting a new job. I mostly agree with your advice. You are right. You talk about it when you've been given an offer and you are negotiating, not during the interview process. This is actually a super common thing to ask. Don't worry your employer with what all you've got planned, booked, deposited, etc. Just talk about the dates that you would like to take off. The one thing that I would add is if the vacation will fall within your probation period, expect that you may have to take the time off unpaid. I actually did this years ago with my first job out of college for a pre-planned family reunion. I was wondering if you had heard about the Ask a Manager blog. It is a great resource for job-related questions, and Allison Green, the author, addresses this specific question and many other new job vacation ask situations. M then includes a link, which we will share with you on all of our social media, because it is an excellent link. The Ask a Manager blog deals with asking about vacation time at each of the stages of the hiring process, and it's very solid advice. Thank you again for all that you do, M. M, thank you so much for sending this to us. We really appreciate both the support and the perspective. It is definitely a tricky situation that a lot of people deal with. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we are going to talk about hats and sunglasses indoors. Very appropriate for summertime, especially for those of us that don't live in sunny communities year-round. The origins for this postscript came from an email that we received at emilypost.com about our article on wearing hats indoors. And this person was curious if there were a similar set of rules about wearing sunglasses indoor, in particular to specific scenarios when two people are talking to each other and one is wearing sunglasses and one is not, and in photos, including selfies. This question I thought was excellent because – while we do talk about hats indoors and etiquette around hats indoors, we don't talk about, at least in writing on our website, the etiquette for sunglasses indoors. It's and it's true. a great question. And it is a really great question. And it is a really big thing. I mean, there's a whole song, you know, I wear my sunglasses at night. I personally would love to wear my sunglasses all the time. I, know. <laughs> I wear mine on my head almost as a headband very frequently, which a lot of people don't love. But I don't ever wear my sunglasses actually indoors. Number one, I have a much harder time seeing. But I do I, I like the I like the hiddenness that sunglasses offer me. I, I have a little bit of that social anxiety that many of you talk about 
out. And it kind of just gives me that little breather, that little bit of space between me and the people around me that allows me to absorb things a little more easily. But I know that it's not polite. I also happen to really not be able to see with them indoors, so I don't actually do it. But I do wear them on my head very frequently. But we're talking about actually on your face, right? I think so. And I think that the reason that's the important part of the etiquette here is that it's about letting people see your eyes. It's the eye contact. And it's that's... a huge part of letting people know you're paying attention to them, that you're with them. You know, we do it to our kids all the time. Eye contact up here, right here. Eyes front and center. Eyes forward. You could say so much with a look. <laughs> you can tell so much looking into someone's eyes. So much of your work as a listener is about maintaining that eye contact in a way that gives someone some affirmation, some idea that they're connecting with you. These are such important things. And denying that to someone puts up a barrier. It introduces some distance. When you're indoors, you're in closer spaces. The utility of the sunglasses isn't present as much. So the idea that you would take them off and give people that eye contact that is so important is a basic courtesy. Absolutely. I have had the exception of someone saying that they are they have lost their actual glasses and their dark prescription glasses sunglasses. are prescription sunglasses. And that would be one reason. But everyone I've ever had in that situation says so in the moment. They say, oh, I can't remove these sunglasses because they happen to be my prescription and my other glasses broke or I'm out of contact lenses. So please forgive me. But that's the interesting thing. It comes as a request for forgiveness. So it just shows once again how important that eye contact is. And when we're talking about hats, yes, you can lean your head way back to make eye contact with someone if you have a large brim or if you have just a cap on that has a brim on it. But we often find that awkward. And there is this act of respect that removing a hat when you're speaking to someone has. And so we do try to do that. You see sometimes it's sporting events and sports situations. A coach or a, you know, instructor will say, oh, pardon me for leaving my hat on I, my hair or it's so hot out there. I'm a mess under here. And you hear us make these excuses and, and permission for ourselves, but it's always done so as a, a signal that you're not trying to be disrespectful to the people around you. And I've always appreciated that. There is a real similarity to my mind between the act of taking that hat off as a show of respect indoors and taking off your sunglasses so yes. that people can see you. It's a similar show and sign of respect. So I, I like the idea of pairing these two concepts totally. together. As far as the specific situation that that this person emailed about, if you're in conversation with someone, yeah, take off your sunglasses if you can, indoors or out. Let them see your eyes. And you don't have to every time. These are opportunities, not obligations. But there is a certain courtesy to just that act of removing your glasses so that someone can see you completely. Even if it's just for the initial greeting and then you make note that you're going to put them back on because it's so bright or something. It makes such a difference just to see someone's full face for a moment. You get that recognition. You get that contact. And then you can put them back on. You could say, oh, I'm sorry. It's just so bright. I'm going to put these back on. <laughs> Please excuse me. It's There's nothing wrong with that. But it's amazing how much that initial moment of raising your sunglasses or taking them off or lifting your hat so that you can make that eye contact makes a difference in that first moment. The other situation that was asked about is in pictures or selfies. And ah. here's one where I say it's a little bit up to you, but all of the things that we just said still apply. There is a certain generosity towards getting your full face in there as part of the record, if it's a picture that you care about where that's what you're looking to do, do it. If you're squinting into the sun and you're on the sailboat in the middle of the lake and the light is reflecting off the wall, maybe you leave your sunglasses on. Maybe it's part exactly. of the good picture. <laughs> exactly. But think about what you're trying to achieve, what the purpose of the picture is, and then you can make a good choice. One thing that I have to share is that when I got this email about hats and sunglasses – I was picking up to rush out the door because I was on my way out of the office. And as I'm sort of sweeping up my stuff, heading out the door, thinking about this question, stepping away from the computer without even thinking about it, unconsciously, I put on my cap and sunglasses. But you were on your way out. Yes. That makes total sense, dude. But as I stepped outside, I was sitting there thinking to myself, here I am in hats and sunglasses and the questions about how long do I wear these? When I walk into the grocery store, do I leave them on? Do I take them off? And for the record, I take them off. 
when you go into those spaces. I yeah. do. And I, it was making me think about those unconscious acts that I do because the question came up so explicitly. So I snapped a quick picture and I promised you I would post it to Instagram this week. By the time this show airs, it will be up on Instagram. So hats and sunglasses and this discussion will continue on social media. Please tell us your thoughts on hats and sunglasses, especially once you see Dan's post on our Instagram at Emily Post Institute. And definitely let us know where you make allowances and where you see annoyances. We would love your feedback. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Amy in Pennsylvania. Hello, longtime listener and love the podcast. It always brightens my day to hear the kind ways etiquette is discussed on your show. I was happy to hear your recent episode that ended with a discussion about smiling. Such a simple gesture, but also so powerful. It reminded me that I have been meaning to tell you about some people who deserve an etiquette salute. Tina is one of the water fitness instructors at the Hotel Hershey Fitness Center, where I visit a couple times a year when visiting the hotel spa. Every time I visit, I make sure to arrange my schedule to make time to attend Tina's water fitness class. First of all, Tina is simply amazing. She smiles for an hour straight during each class and is so motivating and uplifting. It always comes across as happy and sincere, and her positive energy is truly contagious. You cannot help but smile back and feel good. I would also like to mention a few folks who I have met in her class, her regular attendees who are members of the fitness center, though unfortunately I can no longer recall their names. They are the most welcoming people ever. Each time I have been there, I notice that they show up early and seem eager to introduce new people to the class. They always greet each person warmly, making space for everyone to fit in and are so encouraging. Their motto seems to be, there's always room in the pool, which I have heard them say on several occasions. The first time I attended this class, I was blown away by their graciousness and hospitality, and now I look forward to it more than the actual spa treatments. The kindness of Tina and her followers fills up the pool and keeps me feeling great the entire day. They give me something extra to look forward to each time I visit and have inspired me to be more welcoming to others who may be new to fitness classes when I am a regular. Hope you can feature these fine folks on your podcast. Best regards, Amy in Pennsylvania. I love this salute. It's got me smiling. Amy, we are happy to feature these people on our podcast, and we are delighted to hear about it. I am so not surprised when someone like Tina is leading the class that it inspires an environment where the people that attend the class are similarly delightful. Thank you so much for sharing this etiquette salute. We'll put a smile on everyone's face. Thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share the show with friends and family and coworkers, and on social media with anyone you're connected to. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst, I-N-S-T, and I am Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. For those astute listeners out there, you probably noticed Dan's Twitter account is uh, getting rolled into the general Emily Post account. <laughs> on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And on Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We recently joined Pandora. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps new people find the show. And our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.